What's up, everyone? I'm J.K. Molina, co-founder of Tweet Hunter, and you're listening to the Next Generation Podcast. You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast, weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. J.K., welcome on, man. Excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. We were, uh, we were kind of jamming before you started pressing play here around what we wanted to talk about for this episode because you have done a lot um, and you've kind of come from a bunch of different backgrounds. And I think when Gio and I were preparing for this, we're like, cool, let's chat about like ghostwriting, how that whole business works agency-wise. Let's talk about like how we got involved in Tweet Hunter and grew to 1.5 million in ARR, which is a massive SaaS business, which is awesome. Um, I know now you're doing likes and cash, talking all about like monetizing your audience. I was like, is there anything else like you're doing that we just should be talking about that we don't even have written down? <laughs> and you said, yeah, what about when I was selling perfume door to door? So I think that's something that was never even on my list. And I would love to maybe kick off this entire podcast, learning about that story and how you started selling perfume door to door. Yeah, dude. So it was kind of in, um, it was when I graduated high school. So I started in this high school, we graduated in like July and colleges where I'm from start in January. So I had like a few months to just see what I could do. And um, I was talking to my math teacher. It was kind of a very breaking bad kind of scenario because what he does is he sold bootleg perfume, right? He'd like cheap perfume and then he would sell it at like even bazaars and stuff. Well, and um, he pretend it was like a, I don't know, Gucci or Hermes perfume, but it was just him making stuff. I know you're going high end, bro. No, we're not, we're talking about just uh, like regular Apple smelling perfume like with no tax or whatever but you know people just bought it and i was like yeah i could do that so i um i went to my grandmom and um because i know my grandma likes like uh like plants and stuff and she had this plant that smelled like lemon i'm like oh yeah we can make this happen so i just i just planted some of the of the lemon plants like kind of squashed them put alcohol in it, and go sell it door to door and just just see what i could do right it was like terrible perfume because if you like sprayed it, it would like stain your clothes. And stuff. It's just just bad, just bad. So, and, and out of curiosity, results on that was it just like you were just knocking on like hundreds of doors a day for a couple of weeks, or like did you actually sell anything? Yeah, I um, I wouldn't sell it like door to door. Maybe like I don't know, I would knock on maybe like twenty doors a day, maybe like thirty doors a day. But you're also what, like seventeen like, at the time, eighteen. Yeah, I was seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, something like that. If anybody's listening, like top perfume buyers are always old ladies. So oh, very, yeah, very hungry market for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'd make maybe like 20, 30 bucks, call it a day. I'm like, yeah, we made it. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> just, we, going, going around for lunch money on a daily basis. That's fun. Yeah, so, that's just what I did. So I mean, then I started college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say like jumping into that, because I think like most of the stories that we hear from people who come on the show, like whatever they're doing now that makes them a lot of money, they were doing something before they made them no money, right? And I think like, uh, that's your perfume example to some degree, right? Like you're making, you know, tens of dollars as an 18 year old or whatever. Um, and like everyone kind of cuts their teeth and wants to start somewhere. What was the journey kind of looking like from, okay, let me go and bootleg this perfume and, and walk around selling it door to door to realizing, wait, I can actually make money from my computer. I can, I can earn money and like build an income like without having to ever leave a desk. Yeah, that, that took a while. That that was um that was like a two year transition ever since the the perfume and the and the business. But what happened there was I started college and just kind of like enrolling a few entrepreneurship courses in the side, and I didn't really like any other courses. Like for one, that was about uh, digital marketing. 
like the guys doing it was like really really good and i'm like dude you know what like i there was like big when i was watching a lot of gary and he's like just just get a mentor just learn from a mentor I'm like okay that makes sense so i just go like yo dude you want to be my mentor like that'd be cool <laughs> he's like yeah yeah okay let's let's do it turns out he did uh email no digital marketing for uh, real estate companies right so i got an internship there and kind of just learning just little things about the job like how to call call how to like set up a landing page you know how to what zapier is and all that stuff and then i was entrusted to like maybe maybe like appointment set for like our, our big big closure at the company and I just completely screwed it up, like complete screwed it up, like just this big one deal that could have, should have been easy. And then, uh, yeah, I got fired from the internship. I wasn't making any money. I still got fired. Did, did you like schedule it for the wrong day or how did you, how did you mess up scheduling? Oh, no, it was, um, I don't know, maybe my tone came off wrong and I just didn't message him right. Uh, you know, and you, you're just trying these different things. And uh, I think I was reading like Way of the Wolf, you know, by Belfort. He's just like, let's just go, just go. And I just, I just messed it up. But uh, yeah, that's when I got fired. And, uh, but the guy, the guy and I had a pretty cool relationship and we just, like, I kept working for him on a few projects, kind of like his VA, right? That's where the 250 a month comes from. Cause that, that's what he was paying me at the time. And then, then COVID hits, right? And I just was laying on my bed, just scrolling through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And I, I think I, it was Chris Johnson what that i saw is he, and the guy's guy, just like he's the guy who does all like the gum road courses and um investing in dividend stocks all that stuff right yeah i'm I'm not sure if he does gum road courses now but he does have a community that's like super big the wealth squad wealth squad one yeah cool yeah yeah so i just checked him out and like just pulling 200k months and i'm like jesus if I could make, I don't know, 1,000, like that'd be sick, right? That'd be right. sick. Like you see that, you see that you're like, there's levels to this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't believe it. Like, like fake screenshots? It was too much. Like, what? Did, did you think that they're like fake screenshots or what do you mean? Like you didn't believe it? It's just like, so high up above, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not, not like you don't believe it. It's just like, I don't know. You need to double look, like double check. Well, what? Yeah. I, I will say before, because I've been following that guy for maybe two, three years or something like that. And so now he does the Wealth Squad stuff. And I don't know how many people are in it, but I'm pretty sure he makes a egregious amount of money from that, um, like so much money. Um, but he was previously selling all of these like dividend stock courses on Gumroad and stuff before I think that community was ever formed. And I know that like usually in the course business or the business where people are selling like some level of education or teaching somebody like, hey, here's how I do it. You can see all of that stuff. Um like people post fake screenshots. Like that's definitely a thing on like the e-learning kind of world. Um, I do think that from his standpoint, like now he's making a ton of money. I don't know where he was at before all of that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure at all. But if people fake screenshots, but they fake, like they fake accolades as well. Oh, like yeah. your first $8,333.34 a month. Oh, six-figure entrepreneur. Right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. The, the, you know, you know, it's like as soon as you say six figure entrepreneur, like it does, does not mean eight hundred thousand dollar entrepreneur. It means one hundred and two thousand dollars that we just scraped by. Since you guys like are like, you know, way above that, when you see somebody like claim, hey, I'm making six figures, I'm making six figures. Do you does a little red flag go in your head at all? 
I just replaced the number with um, sales. We had a guy on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Reg Zeller, and he says the same thing too, which I think is really smart. Like someone says, hey, listen, I'm making a million dollars a year. Almost like so rarely are they making a million dollars a year. It almost always means, hey, revenue was a million dollars a year. Like bottom line is probably $200,000 a year. And they're probably taking home $100,000 in their bank account. But it also really depends on what industry it is. Too, totally. right? Like oh, if someone's totally. like, oh, I'm making six figures in, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it's like, all right, well, that's notoriously really low margin, really grueling work. A little bit, little bit more difficult to scale. But if someone's, you know, hey, I'm making six figures a month in real estate rentals, a significantly different kind of, um, you know, I guess personal accolade I would probably put on that. Well, also, yeah. Also, if someone says they're making six figures a month in real estate, I'm like, oh, you own a lot of real estate. Right. Yeah. You're like, like, because from the valuation standpoint, it's totally different. I think if people are saying that they're making a ton of cash on like, I think the world you come from a little bit more is like that agency info product world um, and, and SaaS, of course, too. Like yeah. if I had to guess, I, and you don't have to share numbers here super publicly if you don't want to, but like Tweet Hunter, 1.5 million ARR, like SaaS is notorious for having insane margins. So I would guess like your gross margin on that is probably 80%, 85%, if not higher. And so my thought would be like, cool, that's probably like, you know, 1.2 million on the bottom line. And then I don't know if you're quite literally like taking that home or you're reinvesting a ton of it into ads on acquisition, or you're trying to build out a dev team or what it is. Um, but like, I hear you making 1.5 million on Tweet Hunter. That is so different from somebody saying, I just made a million dollars or even $3 million in the e-commerce world. Like, you're making dramatically more in that case. Yeah, ecom. What what's it like in ecom? It's like thirty percent margins. No, no, it's like uh, probably like fifteen to twenty percent. Um, oh. Being realistic, I think the thirty percent. No, honestly, I I was gonna say I think you can maybe get to thirty percent if you have like a killer brand and like a really clever acquisition strategy. But I actually don't know anyone who's making thirty percent in e-commerce. Um, even if you have like the craziest margins in the world. I I know a guy on Twitter. His name is Brooke. And sometimes they'll be like, hey, guys, I got a sale today. And it's like, oh, well, it's Shopify, right? It's like cool T-shirt, right? Like cool 50 bucks. He, he sells like fridges, I think. Yeah. So it's like 9,000 bucks. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. That, he, that's cooler. It is cool. No. It, and, and the dollar amount is cool overall. Even, but even the high ticket stuff on the e-commerce world, like, okay, a fridge that he's selling for $9,000, I got to imagine he's still he does not have more than like a 50% gross margin on that. If I had to guess, just knowing the fridge, like I don't know the fridge market very well. Big in the fridge market? <laughs> no, no, I'm not big in the fridge market. I just know that like, he's probably not selling. I don't know. I don't want to speak about this guy's business. If I had to guess 50% probably gross margins. And then he's definitely paying money to acquire these customers. Now, relative to a $17 t-shirt, he can probably afford to pay way more to acquire a customer on you know a $4,500 profit margin. Um, but yeah, I would, I would guess that if he's at 30%, like kudos, that's freaking awesome. I would be surprised. I'm, I'm curious on e-com, which one have you seen that it got really good margins? Which kind of products? You, so usually it's, I mean, the, the two biggest things in the e-commerce world, supplements have absurd margins and makeup has absurd margins. The tough part then is that they're now crazy crowded because they have a ton of competition because everyone knows that there's really good economics to these two businesses. That being said, where those businesses get to be really fun is both supplements and makeup have really great repeat purchase uh, values. So like, let's say for example, I'm, I sell like a hundred dollar beauty kit and I have like, you know, 85% gross margins on that beauty kit. Um, but I just spent $80 to go and acquire uh, Kimberly over in like Beverly Hills to go and sell her this beauty kit, right? 
great. I made basically zero money on that first or zero dollars on that first purchase. But now if they buy quarterly and Kimberly loves the product and she's like, wants to go and buy for the next five years. Great. Now I'm getting that 85% margin every three months from that same individual, but I'm reinvesting a lot of it back into going acquiring customers. So like, I think those two industries specifically are really nice. Um, but I think it just kind of comes down to like, you have to find a really clever acquisition strategy. That's where I think like going back to your point around like all the audience work and development there, the guys that you see that are crushing it in the e-commerce world very often aren't paying for advertising and they're using some type of inbound content, which takes a little bit longer to get started to go and really drum up a lot of their business. Like one of my favorite ones is Nick Bear, Bear Performance Nutrition. So they, they have um, supplement products, crazy high margins. They've got a ton of different SKUs. And they, I, they do run ads, but a lot of their content, and from my understanding, a lot of their sales comes from just Nick Bear's brand and personality of like running and doing all of these crazy like YouTube videos and stuff to drum up some uh, interest in the product. Or an, another cool one is, uh, do you ever follow the Knees Over Toes guy? It's not like the perfect e-com. It's definitely more of a digital product, but the yeah. same way. I mean, he just crushes it on, on social media. Get shout out. And I forgot what his last revenue was, but it's high. Extremely high. Yeah. What's your, what's your take on these big influencers? Like, for example, like Chris Hemsworth, and he launched, I think it's a fitness app. I mean, right? like, yeah, they, they launched these companies in which like it, they're the face of the brand. And like, to me, it sounds, it makes sense, right? It's like, oh, you're making a ton of money. It's just, I don't know. I'm curious as to what you think, because like, obviously what you guys do is very sellable. I'm not sure that's sellable. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it depends on what your goal is, right? Um, like if he wanted to go and sell it, maybe he also agrees to like stay on for a couple months afterwards. Eventually you have to start selling results and not just selling Chris Hemsworth brand. My personal take on that one specifically, I believe it's called center with like out and E between the T and the R. Um, Chris Hemsworth is absolutely on steroids. Like just yeah, as that's, that's a big issue. All the, like half the, half the gym influencer people are like, yeah, buy, buy my course, buy my app or whatever and get as ripped as me. It's like, yeah, well, you're also doing a bunch of steroids on the stuff. Yeah. So, so my personal take, like when it, when it comes to him specifically, he's on steroids for sure. Like the rock, right. The rock sells a pre-workout energy drink. What's nice is that they brand that under ZOA, but like, I just always have a tough time buying from people who I think are taking extra stuff and not telling you about that. And they're just selling you the other side of it. Like, Chris Hemsworth, I'm sure that his app's good. I'm sure his trainers are legit, but like, you're not going to look like Chris Hemsworth unless you're taking like TRT, maybe some kind of like uh, growth hormones or, or something else. Um, like, I just think he should be way more upfront about that if he's trying to sell your like, fitness products. Got it. What, what you said about all these, all these margins kind of reminded me of what something I heard Alex from Mosey say on a podcast. Like he'll ask these companies and they're mostly like education and their founder, like, the founder is the face of the brand, you know? And then they'll be like, okay, so what are you, what's your growth like? He's like, oh, all the money we're making, we're reinvesting it into the business. And then he's like, oh, well, what are you reinvesting it into? And they don't know. It's because the business just isn't that profitable, mm. right? And that's what I told myself when I ran the agency. So I'm just reinvesting it. And I'm like, well, I'm not reinvesting into anything. I'm just not making that much money. Like the mortgages are not that good. Right. Yeah. On the, on the e-commerce side, I think people can often fall into that trap of I'm reinvesting back into the business because they're selling more. And so they have to go and do larger inventory orders. I think that's a very easy trap to fall in. But yeah, I, I think I heard the same podcast that you did where it's like, 
are you reinvesting it or are you just not making a lot of money? I think if you're reinvesting it, awesome, but like be super strategic, right? It's like, I'm reinvesting it by making this $150,000 a year higher. Who's going to go and take us to the next level because he or she has done this at a previous company or I'm reinvesting this by maybe I'm going to go and spend X number of dollars on a certain campaign and see if that's a new channel for us or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. When you were starting out, like I want to, I want to kind of bring it back to your story for a minute here. When you were starting out, I think you were talking about like the first thing you really started doing was like just telling people, hey, listen, I'll write for you online um, and I'll, I'll like be the face of, or not, not the face, you're the face of your brand. I'll be the behind the scenes, pulling the strings and growing your audience. Um, you want to talk about how you got into that and like how big of a business that actually became? Yeah. So shout out uh, Lawrence King. He's the one that gave me the idea on Twitter. So he posted this screenshot about Gillette. So Gillette, uh, they had like 130,000 followers at the time. And if you check out their tweets, like they got like three or four likes per tweet. And the tweet went something like, Gillette social media manager is paid $80,000 a year. Imagine how much they would pay you if you weren't bad at your job. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So I just, um, I just went and just DM'd everyone. I just be like, yo, I'll, I'll write for you. I'll write for you. I'll write for you. How, yeah. What was your background with writing? I'm assuming you you at least enjoyed it or had some sort of you know reasonable expectation that you could do this well. I had, had you done yeah, this before yeah. for other people? Yeah, this is maybe like October, and I started tweeting maybe in April. And I just I just really liked tweeting, dude. And I went through all so many different niches. Like I started with like uh, started with like uh, like social skills and dating, something like that, because it was just, it's just something I really enjoy and really yeah. like have a lot of interest in and then kind of transition to just just marketing and writing in general but like what frustrated me was this thing this likes in casting right like all these people saying like oh man like your email or your webinar or your video like it was so much value thank you man like so much value and then i'm like well why didn't you buy you know like if it was so valuable you why didn't you buy and i was super frustrated with it like it, it really drove me crazy and I don't know it was just kind of I just got lucky I saw that tweet at the right time just started like what's one thing I can do okay I know how to write a tweet like I can do that let me just pitch it to as many people as possible and all like I got lucky it didn't take that much it took me like I don't know like 20 approaches to mm -hmm. get the first response so definitely got lucky and I believe the personal brand took part of that because and I, I've seen uh, Guillaume from Lemless talk about this a lot yeah. Colima works really well if you pair with a personal brand, it works extremely well mm. because when people can click on it, they can see all the trust that's associated with your profile. Mm -hmm. So I actually tell my students, like you go and try cold email, put your, like, put your name, put your Twitter handle behind it. And when you do cold outreach, Twitter DMs, that's going to have a way better response than cold email, just because there's so much like trust. You know, when you have this brand, people kind of already associate that you have so much more to lose if you don't follow through. Yeah, it's, no. it's this element of like, listen, if I get screwed at the very least, I can find JK stuff and just start like tweeting out and be like, you scam me or whatever, versus like, if I'm just like hiding behind like this anonymous type of like company, then there's like a lot less risk, I guess there's less personal skin in the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like what, what happens now, right? Like, uh, I don't know, it will never happen. But there's some bad, bad lump between us. You know, some of our followers extrapolate after this podcast, right? Because we're going to be sharing this stuff. Mm -hmm. 
like you guys say something like yo i joined jk molina's program and it didn't work i'm fucked (laughs) (laughs) it it adds adds a bad taste in your mouth absolutely and there there there's certainly people on twitter or whatever who like have been outed before at least i remember a specific example in the real estate world where somebody was like teaching individuals how to go and like get off market properties in ways that nobody's thinking about right now and like it just kind of came out one day like hey, this, this guy's kind of scamming everyone. Like, he actually wouldn't, wouldn't show up to meetings. Or like, to, like, yeah, would take, like, would take the deposit, not show up to the meetings, not providing the resources. The resources he did provide were garbage, like, et cetera. Um, but I want to get into the Lexington cash stuff in just a minute here because I do think, like, what's cool about that is you have really good positioning in that business. I think right now a lot of people are grow more, grow bigger, right? And it's like you're kind of taking a step back and almost, like, demonize, not demonizing, like, vilifying it of saying, like, growth for the sake of growth when it comes to audiences is bullshit growth for the sake of monetizing later on is the right way to think about it and like how do you go and extract extrapolate value out of that but before we even get into that i want to take it back probably to those early days of like the actual ghostwriting stuff um two questions i guess right off the bat like the first were you doing this mostly for individuals or was a lot of like b2b stuff a thousand percent individuals okay it's just way easier to grow there's a phase with the brand because of the personal brand side of it. And yeah. when, when you were doing this, like, I don't know, in my head, and, and please prove me wrong here. Like in my head, this is the type of business where like, okay, a college student goes on, they're pretty good at writing hooks, their copywriting's decent, and they can go and make, let's call it like $10,000 a month from this with maybe like five clients at $2,000 a month, or maybe like they have eight clients at like, you know, whatever the math is on that. Um, and that's how they're paying their college bills. Like, can you grow that specific business to be really big? Or do you think that there's maybe a ceiling there? I couldn't. I couldn't. Okay. It was okay. it was super hard to scale past 20, 25K. Okay. Because, per yeah, per but month. That's, and that's all profit though too, right? Like that is money going to your bank account. Like this kind of brings us back to that earlier conversation. If you're making um, whatever that is, 25K a month times 12, $300,000 a year, like after Stripe fees, realistically, like you're probably like, is your bank account personally getting like 280 or something like that? You're getting less because, okay. uh, well, I'm going to get into that yeah. slightly, yeah, yeah. but in the, in the beginning, you do need to pay for exposure because mm-hmm. if you just tweet, 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 well, you need traffic, right? And the, the organic best way to do it is comment on other people's hop on podcasts, talk, but it's just not an easy sale, right? So what you do is sometimes you have network and those that network grows your client. So a lot of the cash went into it, like a lot of it. Um, so I couldn't grow it because the main sauce on Twitter is just being being like really good at writing threads. That's that's the main thing. And if you're good at writing threads, like you're gonna work for yourself, not not for me, right? If you're a good copywriter, you're gonna work for yourself. Like, what would you be with me? Like, it just didn't make sense. Really and the people I could train, I couldn't get them to a certain level. So I couldn't scale that business past it. Like for me, it was super hard. That's when I started looking into other done with you or uh, uh, do yourself models, which became Tweet Hunter. But I couldn't scale. It was super hard. How did how did that look like from a um, topic standpoint? Where your clients? kind of anyone across the board and you had a way to take their their specific niche and reformat it to just be popular on on Twitter or was it more just kind of writing generic content that was popular I'm assuming not because then your audience probably isn't that valuable but how did you view that from a relevancy on um, you know and also a headache for you for trying to learn these different niches yeah so at the time it was it was super easy to write for people specifically in digital marketing 
and like the agency space. So I just went really hard on that because money Twitter is a lot of that. And that's kind of where I was like playing. It also did play to my unfair advantages because I did have maybe like 14,000 followers at when I started ghostwriting. So, you know, a tweet doesn't do well. You just go in and throw in a little retweet, throw in a little <laughs> yeah. comment, you know, yeah. this little kind of sauce. It boosted up. It was yeah. just this unfair thing that I had for me going on. That's cool. I know um, one of the past guests we've had on the show, Dave Gerhardt, he talks a lot about this idea of like founder brand and how like this probably goes back to what you're saying too. It's like, it's almost the equivalent of a personal brand, but when you apply the personal brand into the company element, it creates this whole level of trust and like human like element that like you really just can't get off of any corporate brand out there. Um, but what I find pretty interesting too, is like, there's the inbound side of all of this. And so like the perfect example of that is like, the Andrew Gazdeckis of the world who are tweeting about like massive companies that are selling on microacquire. And as a result, like Andrew is therefore building up the microacquire brand. I think that's really cool. And like someone like him would probably pay minimum $5,000 a month uh, just to go and have somebody who's willing to like really grow his account. Cause there's probably a direct correlation with how his account grows and how like the inbound um, sellers and buyers like kind of grow on microacquire. But the other side of it too, is what I'm seeing a lot of is like people taking over these founders accounts and running biz dev through them. So like personally, and I think it's probably fine to share the story. I, I really don't care, but um, do you know that company Maven? I think it's like a, the cohort based business. It's like a, I've heard of them. So the founder of it, I think he started maybe Udemy or something like that, but it's very obvious that he's not running his own Twitter. Like this guy has DM me eight to 10 times at this point being like, Connor, I would love to have you, you know, make a course on Maven, like talk about X, Y, Z, whatever. I'm like, oh, maybe probably not though. Thank you. Um, and I'll just consistently get follow-up and I'm like zero chance. This guy's running the account. It is absolutely some BDR on his team or maybe some sales rep who's just like finding people with like, you know, over 10,000 Twitter followers and saying, Hey, is there any chance that like we can convince you to like create a course on the platform? I think that's like another pretty interesting opportunity there when it comes to the audience side is like leveraging that audience piece to go and do outbound. Now, I think there's probably maybe a slightly more tasteful way to do it, but um, I think that's like a something no one's really talking about much. Yeah, some some people, some ghostwriters take people's brands and they just ruin them in a way. Because <laughs> it's like people follow this guy for maybe super in-depth systems, business, ops, like super in-depth stuff, right? And then they tweet out a thread about the 10 books that'll 10x your productivity, right? Yeah. And that's like, come on. Like, I, I know this is not you, right? At the point where you realize that maybe, hey, the ghost running isn't as scalable as you'd want, you're not, you know, able to build it to the extent that you really wanted to, what did that transition look like in terms of, hey, now we're going to go the SaaS route, try to build this up, I'm going to focus most of my energy there. Um, was that planned for a while? You run into friends doing it? Or how did that come about? Yeah. And I got super lucky all over the way. Like the Gillette tweet came at the right time. This also came at the right time. So between Tweet Hunter and uh, the ghostwriting thing, there was one one thing. So I pitched Ed Lattimore. I don't know if you guys know him on Twitter, Ed Lattimore. And I wanted to write for him. He's, he had like 150K followers at the time. Like just, 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 just massive account, right? And I wanted to write for him, right? <laughs> the guy with 10K followers on a thread for the guy with 150. And like, oh yeah, I'll write for you. Don't worry. Yeah. But uh, clearly like in the middle of the pitch, I was like, yeah, this guy's not going to close. Like this is just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And still, I really liked Ed because he like, I bought his courses. I learned a lot from him. So I was like, dude, can I like show you my tweet systems? Maybe you can tell me if you like them. Like, oh, sure. So I showed him my thing. 
which is basically just a bunch of collections of other tweets that have done well. Mm -hmm. Because I do believe Twitter and social media is just saying the same thing a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. So that's what I that's what I just what I collected. And then he's like, dude, you how many one, how many do you have here? I'm like, I don't know, maybe like a few thousand. It's like, dude, I'm gonna slap my name on this. You create the product, you launch this, I put my name on it, half half, we just launch it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go, right? Let's, yes, yes. Yeah. So we launched the thing and then uh we cleared, I don't know, like, and I'm not saying this to brag or, or be no, low no, no. or whatever. Yeah. I'm just ex explaining the numbers, right? Like, yeah. all right, cool. But uh for me at the time, that was unheard of. We cleared like 76k in a week selling That's a awesome. PDF. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what? Like, this is a thing, so right? Cool. And um, but then I came to another problem, right? Because if you depend on product launches and product launches and product launches, then how do you scale it? Right? You need to come up with something new. Yeah, come week. with a new product every week. Yeah. So that was a that was an issue. And then it's like you're always promoting. And then it's like, it's always the best new thing. Well, I thought the last time was also yeah. the best thing. So which one is it? Yeah. Right. So super lucky. Dude. This guy, Thibaut, uh, he he DMs me and he said, dude, we created this um, this tool called Tweet Hunter. And what it does is very similar to what you did with the templates, which was the name of the product. And um, yeah, you should try it. So here's a free code. You should try it for a month. And I tried it and I'm like, dude, this is the same thing, but like the same thing I do with like five different tools, you do it with one. So it's like super cool. And then I'm asking, because at the time, a few people are partnering up with SaaS, like Chase Diamond, Wizard Ecom. I'm like, guys, what should I do? And I'm like, you should, you should ask for equity. That's what you should do. Right. And I just went and asked for equity because uh, they had like, I don't know, like a few thousand followers. I had like 25K, 30K at the time. So it just made sense, right? Because they had no audience, great product. I have a great audience, no product. So it just, it just it just made sense. We partner up and then that's how we started growing it. So if you see like the three big breaks, ghostwriting, the templates launch and Tweet Hunter just out of came out of like just grace. Like it yeah, happened also at the right time. Came out of putting yourself out there too, right? Like you were you were still building up your personal brand. You, you were getting inbound. And there's there's still what preparation and opportunity. You you were prepared for the most part, and then the opportunities kind of came in. But I, I think what's cool about your stuff too. Okay, let's you just described three things. It's really four if you want to include the perfume story, right? But like <laughs> four four is like you know start off with perfume. Shit, I don't want to be going door to door and selling physical stuff. I'm not making that much money. How can I go make more money with less work? Great, I'm gonna write for people, and I'm gonna be able to do this all from the comfort of my bed or my couch, whatever, if I want to, and I can go and get paid substantially more. Oh, great. But like now I'm spending all of my time doing this and I, it's, I don't want to be spending my time. Great. I'm going to build this one thing that costs that takes me like a couple of days to build. And then I'm going to go ahead and sell it. I want to make $76,000 just from selling this one PDF. Oh, great. Now I learned how to go and make money without necessarily spending a ton of my time and it's scalable and I'm doing it all for my couch and my sweatpants. Right. Okay. How do I have it keep going now where I don't have to go and come up with a new product every single time? And then that's where Tweet Hunter comes in, right? Now you have this reoccurring revenue model of selling something that's digital. So it's high margin, it's reoccurring, you're not trading your time. Like what's cool about your story is you perfectly follow the playbook, I think, even if it didn't seem like it at the time of like going from the most grueling thing of selling lemon water door to door um, to going and selling like reoccurring like SaaS uh, products. Like that's, that's a really good story. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was lemon water. That wasn't perfume. That wasn't <laughs> lemon water.
It's just what? lemon water with a little bit of glycerin because that yeah, right. stains your skin, just so you know. But <laughs> when, uh, when... It, 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 uh, it reminds me of this tweet I saw by Lobo. So at El Lobo Salvaje, really cool tweet. It's like, uh, problems are actually not that bad. Old problems are bad. New problems are good. So every time I, I like you go and find a new problem, that's like good, right? Because that means you're doing something different. Like if you have the same old problem mm. from a while ago, that's that's how you know you're fucking up. But if the problem's new, you're probably doing something right. Gio's got a good problem quote too. What? <laughs> uh, the, the the good thing about problems is that tomorrow there still be problems. <laughs> yeah, like you'll never <laughs> no, never not be that's, stressed. No, think, that's I mean, that's usually just the quote that I hear from Gio for out drinking at a bar, and it's like a Friday <laughs> night, and like he'll pull up no. his phone, and like we'll get like a notification that like something bad happened, and they're like, "Good thing about problems, there's still problems tomorrow." And so they're like, "All right, we'll deal with that tomorrow then." Well, that's good. That that that's good. I wanted to ask you guys. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just, I'm just messing. Uh, oh. I think I got the one from shout out to Yellowstone on that one. That was a good uh, quote. Uh, shout out. Um. I, I wanted to ask you guys a question, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I um, I followed this guy, Taylor Welch. Yeah, I'm subscribed to his newsletter too, I think. Wealthy consultant yeah. guy. Yeah, because uh, he started Traffic and Funnels. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Like made a ton of money. Now he's a real estate guy. And if you check out his bio, he's all about build businesses by real estate. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking... When you see all these guys like hustling online, it's specifically the online world. Do you ever, does it ever cross your mind? Like you could buy land, you could buy houses. Like, do you, does that ever cross your mind? And like, maybe you could merge those worlds instead of focusing completely on online. Um, what do you mean? Like, like merging the online stuff with real estate things as well? Yeah. Like I just, I just feel like people, in, especially in my, my space like agency just make money online they only focus on online so maybe that it could be valuable if you guys have ever thought about you know you don't need to keep buying digital assets you should at this point it makes sense to go into real estate or go into this and go into that have you thought about it yeah i mean so and there are a lot of there are a lot of courses cohorts programs all that kind of stuff that does a lot of that like i mean the biggest one by far from my knowledge is all of Grant Cardone stuff. Um, that guy makes literally tens of millions of dollars a year outside of real estate, just with like Cardone University and like all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think that there's definitely an opportunity. In my mind, the angle and the pitch of it is either one of two things. It's like one, you're already making money. Like let's go and like show you how you can go and deploy that money independently into real estate. There's so many assets out there, like resources, whether it's the bigger pockets books or podcasts or whatever. And so I do think that there's maybe an opportunity to do some kind of like course-based thing of like, Hey, from zero to 90 days, we'll get you your first deal, something like that. But honestly, like, so that's, that's one thing I would think the bigger opportunity, if you really like the real estate space and want to go and convince people who are making a lot of money online to like, pay you in some way or another right now the most t- like tried and tested and proven model is just saying hey let me be the extension of your real estate investments like i will partner up with you if you're already making you know five hundred thousand dollars a year selling like this software or this course or whatever like let me just go and be your guy who's finding you real estate deals you know we can jv or co-invest or something like that, like that together and we'll make a lot of money i know um like you're, you're you really like hormozy and, and that kind of stuff i think I'm almost positive that he has one guy who basically just brings him uh, like 300 unit apartment buildings, like once a quarter. And the, from Hormozzi's approach, he's like, cool, we're going to buy them. We're going to cost segregate, uh, depreciate them. 
Um, and then we're going to go and do that quarterly. So he pays like basically zero in taxes and he only works with this one guy. And the one guy, like his commitment to Alex is basically saying like, I will not bring these deals to anybody else. Just know that like when I bring them to you, um, you know, we're expecting to close them. And I think that's probably the better model. I think if you want to go and do it that way, what do you think? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, so, so if you, if you look at the whole, you know, there, there's finance, Twitter, there's, there's all different, different segments of Twitter, the real estate Twitter niche is interesting because you have a group of guys that have made so much money. They really don't need any of the, you know, publicity that comes from it, but you also have a, have an interesting middle segment of people that have blown up because of real estate Twitter and the product that they're selling is their, their personal brand of, Hey, I've been successful doing a, B and C. I can't legally pitch that I'll take investor money necessarily, but look at these deals, look at these deals, look at how much money I've made. They end up growing the personal brand. Now, you know, there, there's a little bit of debate going on in, in that world too about how much you should be charging in fees, but a lot of them have built up the personal brand enough where they can charge what some would consider higher than standard fees within the industry. They raise money from, from different LPs, from accredited investors, and they can go and do deals. And if you think about that from a sales and, and product standpoint, I mean, they're, they're making millions and millions of dollars by, you know, having all the fees and stuff like fees that. And, and, and cheaper capital and, and all these different deal structures. So it's pretty kind of high up there in terms of almost an extreme monetization, I think, from the from the Twitter real estate world. You guys like have these personal brands, but most of your business is offline, correct? Yeah, I would say like for the for the most part. I almost have never monetized myself, which I'm, which I'm kind of cool with. Like, I'd rather just, I would rather make money from people who have no, like totally separated. And I think there's two ways to go and approach building personal brands online. And I would love to get your take on this too. There's the, I'm going to build a personal brand. I'm going to make money off it. And there are so many examples in the last three to four years of people. And honestly, before three and four years, but like specifically from my uh, perception in the last three to four years of people making a shit ton of money doing that. I'm more of the mindset of I want to make money other ways and use the personal brand to open up doors, opportunities, deals, connections, which then allows me to make more money in other ways. I think I'm not opposed to the idea of doing a little bit of both. I just personally like the latter way a little bit better. And you also don't have to think about like the slippery slope that potentially comes from selling whatever it is you have to offer. I think it depends on what kind of category you're in, but oftentimes it's like, okay, are you making more money selling the course than you are? in, you know, actual real estate. And I, I would say, you know, some of the biggest benefit we've gotten, you know, we're not selling a course or anything, but I just, we've met super interesting guys our age in real estate that like, hey, do you want to partner up on deals? Do you want to, you know, underwrite deals together? And you end up being, building just a really interesting and cool network that, you know, I think is clearly going to be worth millions and millions down the road and, and not, you know, and almost probably soon as well. Um, so I think that's kind of been the focus more on, you know, putting ourselves out there, meeting, meeting cool and interesting people. What do you think? What's your thought on it? I feel you should always monetize the brand, but there's like different ways you can do it. I feel like the best way you, for you too, to monetize your brand isn't like public. It'll be like in the DMS, people who talk to you, right? Like behind the scenes, like how public are you? I don't know. Like, like a few book sales won't change your life. Right. So it, it would make more sense to just go for the connections. Like people who say, like, oh, I'm not I'm not gonna monetize my brand, I'm not not gonna make any money from it. It's like I mean, you you can do it, but 
you're I feel like you're confusing like being promotional and monetizing, you mm -hmm, know? Sure. Cause like I don't know, I'm assuming some real estate guys follow me. Let's let's just say they follow me, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe on this podcast, right? Maybe I'll share it and they'll see it. So this is I could call this a few attempts of monetization of a brand. It's not promotional at all. Mm -hmm. You know? So I feel like people confuse monetizing with being promotional. You should always monetize how promotional you are to the extent at which you which you need the money i feel what's what's the difference i guess because in my mind in my mind uh monetizing is essentially saying i'm going to create this content and i have something to sell you on the back end however they only know that you have something to sell on the back end if you're promotional about it right to me it's all the, the same thing what's what's the key difference for you i feel like it's inbound versus outbound like okay. if they come to you then it's like oh you could you you should absolutely monetize it so basically, right. basically having an open door where there's an opportunity. So like you have something to sell. It doesn't mean that you are pushing the thing that you're trying to sell. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I think because from our standpoint too, like right now we've done four deals. Everything's been our own money. We've got enough cash to do like another deal or two, I would say probably just in-house, but there's certainly a very real world where in the next couple of months, we're probably going to go out and start trying to raise some kind of like outside capital. Right. Um, and I think in my mind, that is probably the idea of monetizing this audience. And I'm not even saying like, I would do, go to Twitter directly for that kind of stuff. Cause I think, Hey, there's a lot of legal implications there. Um, but more so like, you know, there's, there's other connections as well. My point on it would be like, I was speaking with somebody, I forget who it was a couple of months back and they were in the real estate world talking about like raising investor money. And I think their whole point was just like, if you don't need the money right now, that's fine. Go. And for the next like six to 12 months, just talk about your deals. Talk about what you're doing from a CapEx standpoint. Talk about how you're underwriting these things. Talk about like the uh, value that you're creating like out of basically thin air by bringing rate, uh, rents to market rate and improving the facilities, et cetera. He's like, do that for a year and you will find that you, not, that you don't have to go and pitch yourself to people to go and raise money. That very often, kind of what you're saying, people are gonna come inbound because of all of the content that you're creating on your personal brand of how you're running and operating these deals. And it, it also goes back to the point that we originally discussed too about the credibility of putting your personal brand on the line, right? If you're, if you're open and public about all of this, I think people inherently think, okay, you know, you a lot to lose. It's, it's not a random guy that's gonna go just steal my money. For, for better or worse, there are people on Twitter that, that you know, probably aren't um, the most ethical and it's, it's come out every once in a while. But usually it's like, hey, okay, they're putting their whole personal brand on the line. They're significantly invested in this. They're not just no name, you know, person down the road that said, hey, you know, invest in my deal. There, there's something yeah, on the line when, there. I think it was Naval who said it. Like, if you want to build wealth, take on more accountability. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a thought process. So when you have a, there's a, like a brand, your, your accountability is huge. Yeah. I mean, look, look at you anyone. You can't that's up. As soon as you get a bad Google review or, or any business that relies on reviews, you get one bad review and it's all right. Now you're the nicest person in the world. You're doing everything. You're yeah. sending them free products back, free refunds. Yeah, it's uh, forces people to act, you know, relatively um, ethical, at least from a business standpoint, to to not take advantage of anyone. Yeah. So JK, on your side, like right now, we, I mean, it's cool. We chat about the software stuff, ghostwriting, how that all business works. Um, I'd love to maybe like dive a little bit more into the likes and cash stuff because that seems to be your latest thing. It's, it's been up in live for what, three, three, four or five months, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, what's what's the overall goal there? Is that is that going to be like the next big business that you're trying to grow? And if so, I'd love to maybe, you know, I think people should buy it and, and 
I think you have a free PDF too that you offer a lot of this stuff with right now anyway. But like, what's what's a lot of the frameworks behind that in terms of like how people should be thinking about creating their content? Yeah, so it comes from, well, here's the story, right? So I met this guy, his name's Sonny. And uh, I was, I had like 40,000 followers at the time. I was making like 20K a month or something. And um, I got on this call with Sonny. Sonny had like 2,000 followers. And I asked him like, oh, well, you launched this cohort. How did it go? He's like, oh, it went pretty well. Made 60K. I'm like, 60K? <laughs> like, dude, you got 2,000 followers. That's 30 bucks per, per guy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it just threw me off completely, dude. Because, you know, because I'm supposed to be the guy that knows Twitter, right? And this guy just completely destroys me. And that's kind of when I started developing it. And I feel like people focus on, like for me, there's three big things. It's like market traffic offers. So market goes first, like having a good concrete market that wants your stuff. Two is offer, like what you're going to give them. And three is traffic. So I feel like most guides get it the opposite way. They focus on traffic first. They're like, let's just get as much people as possible. Their offers kind of met and they haven't even niched down. So then they wonder why they're not making any money. And I am they, like I'm, I'm that guy. Like that's what I did. <laughs> like I fucked up, right? So it just, I don't know. It just, it just felt like empty right like you grew this much but like why then people here are like yeah i want to make an impact i want to reach people and I, yeah i get it but you want to make money like you you want to make money right yeah so i just it just didn't feel it just didn't feel aligned it just didn't feel right like i'd rather just monetize the audience like who cares about like engagement because also like engagement sometimes doesn't depend on you it depends on the algorithm and stuff and you don't really want to depend on those that that thing so that's how the feeling uh came about it's just it's just not like because yeah like you don't think people are thinking about it right i like i like what you you have a really good um i don't know if you want to call it tagline or hook or whatever in your bio basically says teaching agency owners and coaches right cool so that's you're defining the market right off the bat to build a 100k per month audience cool that's like roughly the offer i guess it's not I don't know if it's really the offer, it's more the value prop, right? But like you're showing them like this is what's possible. Um, and then like theoretically your traffic's coming from organic, it's coming from podcasts like this, it's coming from Twitter, it's coming from maybe like a newsletter if you're being featured in that. Is that how you're kind of thinking about it for yourself now? Yeah, that's going to be the, are you are you asking about like how the funnel is structured? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to dive into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts with likes and cash and that's that's a free lead magnet, right? So it's how people get in. It's this checklist on how many times you just tweet, what's the optimal way to tweet, how to write a good thread, like just, just very basic stuff, right? And then there's um, there's a survey funnel right there. If, uh, if you make below a certain amount, like let's say below 10K, it takes you to a low ticket community. So that community is like divided by, by belts, right? So I really like jujitsu. So I just stole it from jujitsu. It's like, it's like blue, uh, it's white, white, blue, purple, brown, black. So yeah. as you go to black, uh, black's where you qualify for, for the big ticket program, which is also the program where it takes you. If on the lead magnet, you say you make over 10 K a month, because then you're qualified. Mm, cool. You know, mm -hmm. right. So it's a survey funnel and that's like same lead magnet. It goes, if you make over, to the big one like the big high ticket one if you make less you go to the community 
in which like I show you all these things I get you on weekly calls and you like see my face all week and then <laughs> eventually I'm like okay you reach this level that's when you up upsell people cool. uh, but yeah that that's how the funnel structure the funnel does have a back end because the big big promise is getting you to 30k a month right month, you get 30, to that okay. point that's the offer yeah. that's the offer yeah 30k a month in 90 days that's and cool. um you get to that point, I find like for me, that's when I really kind of crashed. I was like, I mean, I can't scale this. Like this is super mm -hmm. hard. So I'm thinking, okay, what what I do here? Like I can't tell people how to scale their agencies because, you know, I didn't scale my agency. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I can tell them to find developers, right? Like that that was just, a, for me, it's like super hard to replicate. I couldn't do it again because it was a struck of luck. So I'm like, okay, who, who knows this? So I partner up with Ryan at Real Ryan Booth guy does take people to 100k he's like super good at systems and ops he just gets it so for me it was like a perfect fit so it's mostly like i teach people i call it the front end how to get to 30k then we go into okay we got here let's scale right let's get you to 100k and that goes to like more systems operations hiring setters closers all that stuff cool that's awesome are you getting i don't know, I don't know if you if you want to publicly talk about it but what do you think your um how many people are signing up a day in like in the, in the general funnel or any sort of indication there on, you know, Size. conversion rates or, or anything like that? Um, you want to talk signups? I'm, I'm just curious in general. Like, yeah, like this is, we've heard about, you know, 1.5 million AR in the business, how big the ghostwriting business can get. I'm just curious because it seems like this is, if I had to bet, this is probably going to make you the most money out of everything that you're doing. Um, do you think the same thing or like, I'm curious what scale y'all are at? You mean the coaching? Uh, yeah, with the, with like the whole like St. Cash community and then also like the, I guess, coaching, yeah, consulting. I think so, yeah. I think that's going to be the biggest one. Yeah, but um, numbers, last 30 days, like a thousand email subs. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like that, kind of like yeah. that, yeah. And then how you yeah. convert, convert down the funnel from there, that's cool. I'd love to talk about how to get email subs from Twitter if you want to talk about it. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's make that the last subject because I know we got to wrap up here in a little bit. So let's. If oh shit! Okay, well, lesson two then. We'll we'll do it in podcast too. Perfect. Stay tuned. I'm, I'm Watch the next generation I... podcast. Best podcast ever. <laughs> That's a tough part with some of these. There's so many cool segments to like dive into. We could have spent an entire podcast talking about ghostwriting, growing SaaS companies, conversions. It becomes tough to try to get everything so so condensed down. Do you want to maybe quickly pitch your kind of kind of the group where people can find you on Twitter and and maybe you know start taking away some of these tactics and start downloading some of these documents and scaling up? Yeah, for sure. Audiences? Yeah, so um, if you're an agency owner, freelancer, or coach that's around 10k a month, we're gonna take you to 30k in uh, 90 days a month, and you double your investment in those 90 days, or you get your money back. So definitely check that out at tweetsandclients.com. I'm glad to grow your Twitter, grow your audience, and just make business permanently easier for you because that's just what an audience does. And uh, you can find me at one JK Molina at one O N E JK Molina on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today, JK. If you thought today's episode was awesome, we would love it if you would leave a five-star review on the podcast, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference and lets us get cooler and cooler guests for future episodes.